StopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome to the WRSU Crew, the revolutionary show to hear all things sports, from your very own Rutgers Athletics to the hot topics in all professional and collegiate sports from around the globe, coming to you from your own Rutgers students. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride with the crew. Hello, hello. Welcome in everybody to the Friday crew. My name is K.R. Palana. I'm joined alongside by Doug Willig. Uh, no Ronnie or Shmi today, but we do have our guys back in the studio, Christian Vasquez and Jared Blydice. Guys, how are you doing on this Friday crew? Okay, or I'm doing good. Excited for the show. You know, some big news just broke with Rutgers football. We'll get to that real quick, but... Yeah, you know, I've been, you know, just doing midterms, doing homework, whatnot for classes. Just excited, you know, to be on the show for the next couple hours. Yeah, KR, I'm doing well, too. Like Doug said, we got some big news out of Rutgers football. So I'm sure we'll get into some of that in a little bit. But otherwise, yeah, you know, doing good. Excited for the show. Yep. Uh, and like you guys were mentioning, some big news uh, about, I would say, you know, 10 minutes ago. We had a highly recruited player out of Kentucky, the number one recruit out of Kentucky from Owensboro High School, uh, Gavin Wimsat, commit to Rutgers uh, as a quarterback. He is currently rated by 24-7 sport, sports uh, as a four-star recruit, number one again out of uh, Kentucky. Um, he's the number third ranked dual QB. Uh, he's... Coming to Rutgers, according to his commitment video that he posted on Twitter. Guys, I just want to get your, um, I guess, initial reactions to this huge, huge recruit uh, that Rutgers has got a commitment from. Yeah, KR, um... Listen, you got to be happy with this commit. I mean, this is a guy who can come in and really help out a quarterback room that's kind of weak. We know we have Noah Vedral, Johnny Langan, Arthur Sikowski, but this guy seems like he would be the best of the bunch. So I don't know if they're going to throw him right in the fire when he gets here, but he will definitely be taking starting QB snaps, and he should be because, in my opinion, like I said, he's the best one on the team. So if you want to have the best chance to win, you got to throw the best guy out there. And I really think that if he proves himself, he will be the best guy out there. Yeah, you know, I definitely agree. This is this is big news. This is very big. You know, Rutgers, you know, there's been discussion. We've been talking about this at, you know, WRSU in our group chat, whatnot, thinking about what Rutgers is going to do at the quarterback position for next season, you know. We weren't sure. There wasn't really consistency last season. But now, 
now when we have, you know, Wimsat committing, obviously that's big shocking news. We weren't expecting this. Four-star quarterback recruit, recruit, you know, school's top-rated quarterback commit of all time, highest-rated recruit out of state all time, uh, you know, the top-rated player out of Kentucky, I believe. Uh, not positive on that last one. But nonetheless, Rutgers is bringing in an excellent player, excellent player. And this is just, it's exciting. Rutgers fans, you know, can look to see some consistency at the quarterback position, you know, next season. And we'll be excited to see him play as a freshman. Yeah, I think, you know, it it goes, bodes well for the Scarlet Knights when um, Wimsat was able to, you know, pick Rutgers out of the top nine that consisted of Louisville, Ole Miss, uh, University of Kentucky, where he could have stayed home. Could have went to Notre Dame as well, Georgia Tech. Uh, you had Oregon, West Virginia, and Cincinnati, uh, who we know to be a competitor in the NCAA uh, as of last couple of years. And for him to kind of choose, I guess, you know, Rutgers over all those other schools, I think it says a lot about what uh, Sean Gleason has done with his recruiting position that he has. Um, and, you know, just what, I guess, the culture that Greg Schiano is trying to reinvigorate within the Scarlet Knights and its fan base. You know, I think so far what we've seen from Gleason and uh, Greg Schiano, we, we can't be disappointed in that. And the fact that we just got, you know, the number third dual threat quarterback and the number one rated Kentucky quarterback or the Kentucky recruit to come to basically the other, you know, halfway through um, the East Coast and He's he's going to be a huge part of I guess what could be the road to success for Rutgers. Um but what did you what did you guys take away from you know just this big commitment coming to Rutgers alongside the diff, um I guess the up what's the right word I'm looking for it's it's the upwards trend that we've seen within the Scarlet Knights from the last year. Yeah, Kale, yeah, you know, go take it, it definitely showed. Oh, my bad, Jared. Go I'll go quick and then you go. But yeah, it's just it shows records. You know, they were three and six last season in that shortened, you know, coronavirus nine game season. Rutgers hadn't had a win in the Big Ten since 2017. Came out this season, beat Michigan State in that opening matchup. Kind of put the program back on the map a little bit. Show that the Shiano era part two is happening again. And I did make a little mistake earlier. I said uh, Winsat was. Uh, I said he was class of 2021, but he's, he's class of 2022. That was my error there before. Nonetheless, it's just exciting. And like you guys have been saying, brings him back on the map. Things bring Rutgers back on the map. It's real exciting. And hopefully this is the start of something new. You know, more recruits coming to Rutgers. Because we know Rutgers is in the Big Ten, but they aren't necessarily, or, you know, they're not the big brand name school in the Big Ten. You know, the Big Ten has big programs. Obviously, Ohio State, you know, the biggest one. And then other brand name schools as well. But Rutgers kind of, it's building itself up, slowly becoming one of those brand names. And this is, you know, a key step and hopefully more steps to come after this in the coming seasons. Yeah, Doug, I'm with you on that. I like how you're talking about the more steps in the coming seasons because this is a good move. But listen, this move isn't going to make Rutgers a top, top team. This is just a piece in this right direction. Like Kaora was saying, to build the culture that we that Shiano wants to build here. And listen, if this is one of the big steps in that direction, I think that they did a marvelous job. I mean, getting this guy is huge for the program. It's putting them, it is, like you said, in the upwards trend they're going. And it puts them in the perfect direction that this, 
I guess that this university wants to take the football team in and props to Shiano. I mean, listen, he's he's changing the culture and this is a big piece in that culture change. Yeah, and you know what the interesting thing in my opinion is is that now it's going to be essentially um a battle for the starting spot. We have, you know, a bunch of juniors who are probably going to be um, either redshirted juniors going into the year since they do get that extra year of eligibility. Um, and, you know, that's going to consist of Art Sikowski, who is there from, you know, through the ups and downs of the Scarlet Knights. He's been the veteran uh, who's been on the team. And, you know, he got some snaps last year, looked pretty decent than what we've seen before. Um, we also had Johnny Langan step in there and, and be that, dual threat quarterback that we kind of used heavily on third downs. Um, we also had Noah Vedro who took the helm, you know, beginning of the season and near the end of the season as well. And he looked like he was going to be the way forward. And then we also, you know, still at the same time had younger guys who were on the bench and, and, you know, had that quarterback t- tag on them and then still had, I guess, the potential or hope of going out there and getting that starting job. And that consisted of, um, you know, Cole Snyder was one of them. Uh, and we haven't really seen a lot out of him. We also had Peyton Powell, who is another four-star recruit uh, who has um, originally committed to um, Baylor in 2018, but now he is, you know, signed a letter of intent and basically committed. He is on the roster, so he can be maybe used as, a part in that battle for the QB starting spot. We also had Austin Alberici, who I believe came on uh, a while ago and was still a part of, you know, the squad. So we, we have a lot of moving parts at that, um, at, at that quarterback position. And now you bring in another young talent out of, you know, Kentucky. Again, it's weird to say he's out of Kentucky. You don't really see a lot of, good i would say recruits coming out of there let alone signing the number one recruit out of there and it being at the hottest position in football at the quarterback position so that's definitely going to put a lot of pressure on the guys that are already there so how do you guys think that i guess whole dynamic plays out between that quarterback room and and just that position on the roster um personally i really think it's going to be uh they play the best guy. You know, sometimes in the NFL and college, a younger guy, they'll want to have him sit for a couple games, even if he's the best quarterback on the roster. But I really think that Rutgers is in a position where th- there's a good chance to have another losing season. So why not have a good quarterback battle before the season starts? And if Wimsat shows that he deserves to start and he's the best one out there, then I, I'm all for it. I mean, listen, he wants to play here. I guess let him... Let him play when he gets here. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, you know, this is big, though, because at quarterback over the last, you know, two seasons, just think about, you know, what we've seen at Rutgers. Think about, you know, who we've seen play quarterback. We've seen Johnny Langan come in. We've seen Art Sikowski. We've seen Noah the draw. We've seen all these different guys come in recently. And there hasn't been a lot of consistency. You know, Langan was interesting coming out on those special run plays, but we still haven't seen, you know, consistency at the position. And hopefully this maybe brings some of that. You know, Rutgers hasn't had, you know, a big-name quarterback. They've had some, you know, big-name quarterbacks in their history. You know, Mike Teal, they go to the NFL for a little bit. You know, there's been some names here and there. But this is hopefully 
not hopefully, this is an exciting day, and hopefully this can bring something big. Hopefully this can bring, you know, the program back to some relevancy and, you know, just put us more in the spotlight. You know, this is a big commitment from Gavin, you know, Gavin Wimstap coming in from Kentucky, you know, dual threat quarterback. You know, we've said it already a bunch of times, you know, 6'3", 200 pounds. Just, just a big name, big name coming in. Real exciting for Rutgers fans. And like you guys have brought up, interesting to see how that dynamic plays out in the quarterback room. But still, a big recruit coming in. It's just real exciting. Kor, yeah, what, what are you? Kor, what are you thinking? Who's gonna be the? Uh, who's gonna be the quarterback? I think it'll probably transition somewhat into Gavin's hands. Um, to be completely honest, the we've seen the football, um, I guess, offensive narrative always transition into a dual threat quarterback over the last couple of years, and those who thrive have been those dual threat quarterbacks who can, you know, stay in the pocket or you know. Um, and throw a deep ball with their skills. Or, you know, when it's time and when the pocket collapses, they can take tuck the ball in and, and run. And that's the type of quarterback I think that can bolster any type of offense, whether it be Rutgers or not. So if, you know, Wimsat is bringing in that talent to the Knights, I'm sure Greg Shiano would be more than happy to, to build around that rather than build with it. Um, so far, what we've seen is... A lot of traditional type of uh, quarterbacks, except, uh, you know, with the exception of Johnny Langan, who we've kind of tra- seen transition into that uh, bulldozer type quarterback that we can bring in on, on third and short and use to get that first down, uh, which is, again, a great asset. We saw that last year in the NFL as well with Taysom Hill taking on that role. And I, I think if you can, you know, build correctly around, again, a four star dual threat quarterback um it, it can go a long ways into to making your offense one of the biggest powerhouses in the ncaa and listen it's not going to be you know a one-year thing this is definitely going to take or you know at least test greg shiano and sean gleason for the next i would say two to three years and they're going to have some pretty big decisions to make uh, it's not going to be easy by all means and i i think this step forward is just um you know, it's it's exciting for fans, at least. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'd love to see a dual threat quarterback kind of lift the offense up and, and use the pieces and the, and the players that we've already seen, you know, shine in, in what many would call as a dull offense, but one that's, you know, still has a high ceiling of potential. Yeah, K.O.R. I mean, as a fan, I mean, I feel like watching a dual threat quarterback is probably the most fun way to watch football like you don't want to sit there and watch like listen Tom Brady's great but he sits there in the pocket there's nothing like watching Lamar Jackson run in circles then all of a sudden he's 50 yards downfield I mean that's what you're hoping for with a dual threat quarterback and the entertainment factor with a dual threat quarterback is just so much fun to watch and listen when we're all back in person he's going to be a as long as he's starting he's going to be a blast to watch yeah, and I think the biggest news out of this all, guys, is that, you know, with the signing of Wimsat, Rutgers has now moved from the number nine class in 2022 to being the number six class. We surpassed Penn State, and now we're the number six class in the nation for next year of class of 2022. Um, what are your initial thoughts from that stat? 
I think it's my initial thoughts would be that. Oh, sorry, Jerry. Uh, I'll just go quick. Uh, you know, it's just it's big. It's big, Kr. It's it's real big because this. You know, I feel like I've said the same point maybe four or five times, but it's just I gotta keep saying it. It's pushing Rutgers back. You know, kind of sort of into that national spotlight. They're not in the national spotlight yet. I'm not trying to argue they're the the face of the country, the you know the top team in the nation, any of that. But kind of you know the glory days of 2006. If you want to get back to a point like that and get this program, you know, back into better days, days like this are kind of a step. They're a step towards that when you're bringing in this big a caliber of a player. And to show, like you said, the number six recruiting class for 2022, it's just kind of inching the program forward, inching, you know, the Rutgers and New Jersey brand forward a little bit. And hopefully more, you know, big name recruits come in, follow, you know, Gleason and Chiano and what they're selling. And hopefully that can build this program up more. It's definitely a big step. We're certainly not there yet, but this is a step. And that number six stat that you shared, that really proves that. It shows that this program is moving in the right direction. Yeah, personally, I don't love to read that much into the recruiting class because at the end of the day, it's just all about the performance on the field. Like you could say, you could say all you want about the recruiting class, three stars, four stars, five stars, but if they don't show it on the field, then... I mean, it doesn't matter. Listen, it's right now it's awesome to see. Moving from 9 to 6 looks great, but that's got to look great on the field. So we're just going to have to wait until the season to see how this pans out. But I think it's going to pan out well, but, I mean, you never know. So I am not big into reading into recruiting classes that much. Fair enough. But, listen, to me, I think of them as essentially the future of the organization. Um, and, and we've seen, you know, times where – we have been rumored to get recruits, but once they finally commit, you know, it's we're we're in serious contention here. And whether like I completely agree with you on that on the fact that no matter how high we are, you know, as a recruit class, we still got to show it up on the field. But listen, you can't show it up on the field unless you have, you know, those highly competitive recruits that all these other schools are getting um, who are, you know, ranked top 25 in the nation so Mm -hmm. um obviously again this is a way forward but now after gavin wismat that makes us i believe we have currently four four star recruits um we had samuel brown coming in at running back from lasalle college who committed a couple of weeks ago uh near the end of march i believe we also had a marion brown wide receiver out of stewart florida um and he committed in March as well. And then in February, we had Anthony Johnson coming in from Philly as well, playing inside linebacker. Um, and, and if that isn't, you know, I guess hint to the fact that we're focusing on the offensive heavily. I mean, we've gotten a, a four-star QB, four-star running back, and a four-star wide receiver coming in to help us out, as well as the main piece in the uh, main piece in the defense being an inside linebacker and Anthony Johnson who, if he does get to, you know, play, will we'll be playing with um, Ola Kunle Fatukasi, who is one of the best linebackers, if not the best linebacker last year in the Big Ten. Um, so what are your guys' thoughts on, I guess, just Rutgers having, you know, a hand in every single key position there is to, to make sure we stay as a competitive football team going forward? Uh, 
I mean, those are the big contributors. Like you said, quarterback, running back, wide receiver. I mean, for offensive firepower, it's going to be there. You just got to – I'm a firm believer in that football games are won and lost in the trenches. So as long as the offensive line can hold itself and be decent, I think that the playmake, these four-star playmakers will make plays. And I think it's going to lead to success. We'll have to see. But the – way that they're building these pieces looks like it's trending well, so we'll have to see. Yeah, um, I think that's probably the be best way to put it. We're trending well. Um, and, and I wouldn't be surprised that if we do have a little bit of you know, I guess setbacks along the way. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's not going to be very uh, clean, but I think we're trending in the right direction, and that's all we can hope for. Um, Doug, did you have any any last inputs that you want to put in on this topic? Uh, you know, you know, just before we go to break, I don't really have any last thoughts. I agree with Jared's point that you got to, you know, see what a recruiting class actually does on the field. You can't look into the ranks too much. I was just, you know, excited about that high ranking, but that's definitely a good point. But my last thoughts would just be, you know, I'm excited to see him play, and, you know, hopefully more more big recruits are on the way. Yeah, I guess that's all we can hope for. Um, you know, so just to recap, we got Gavin Wismat, the number one recruit out of Kentucky, dual threat quarterback. Uh, committed to Rutgers, which makes Rutgers, again, the sixth nationally ranked highest recruiting class. We're number two in Big Ten um, with an average rating of 0.88 out of one. And previous year, we were 0.85, and previous year's national rank was 41. So in just one year, Greg Schiano has essentially transformed um, Rutgers to what he believes should be or what Rutgers can be. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens next on the banks, uh, next year. I'm sure all three of us or all four of us will be watching closely. Um, but we're going to step aside real quick. And when we come back from break, you're going to be listening in on an interview from Kyle Muller, the reliever on the baseball team. So please keep it locked. At WRSU FM New Brunswick are doing our part to connect our listeners with local resources. If you are in need of food assistance, the Elijah's Promise Community Food Kitchen is open seven days a week from 11 a.m. Friday crew. My name is Kayor Palan. I'm joined alongside by Doug Willig. Back in the studios, we have Christian Vasquez and Jared Bladice. Um, you just heard from Kyle Muller, relief pitcher from the Rutgers men's baseball team. Uh, and now we're going to shift it over to one of our favorite segments of the show. We have locks of the week. Guys, uh, I'm going to I guess throw it over to whoever is ready. Does anybody have a lock and want to go first? Okay, I do not have a lock ready, so I'm going to pull my name out of the 
the pool of people who can go first. All right, I guess. Out Apologies of, I, there. I can do it. I can do it. There you go. So, for a uh, quick lock, as a Mets fan myself, I'll be taking the Mets to beat the Marlins on Saturday, April 10th. So, it's this Saturday, tomorrow. Uh, the Mets are minus 260, it looks like. Let's see. Yeah, the Mets will be pitching Jacob DeGrom, as we know, the best player, the best pitcher in the MLB against the Marlins' Trevor Rogers, who had a tough outing last time he pitched, and DeGrom is much better than him. So I'm pretty sure the Mets will win this one by a decent enough margin. And listen, I mean, after the last Mets game, little cheating scandal at the end there, but... I like I like the Mets to follow up on their interesting win with another win tomorrow with Jacob Degrom on the mound. Yeah, we could uh, break down that uh, last night's Mets game later on in the show. Uh, Definitely talk a little baseball, but that was one for the it was one for the ages one for the books. Yeah, I guess so. Um, Doug, you still have anything, or you want me to go? Yeah, Kr, I'll, I'll go ahead. So go I'm ahead. gonna bring it over to ba- basketball. We got the NBA, you know, season. Kind of getting into full swing. NCAA tournament, man and woman, is over for basketball. And now the NBA is kind of like the forefront of the basketball world, getting ready for the playoffs. And then, you know, of course, the finals. But that's a long way away. Uh, we're still in the regular season right now. Nets are playing the Lakers on the 10th. That is tomorrow. It's an 8.30 p.m. national TV game on ABC. Nets playing the Lakers. That's interesting because this is a lot of people's Finals prediction. Obviously, you know, LeBron and AD are hurt right now. And then with the Nets, their big three has not really been healthy all at the same time. They've only played about seven or maybe eight games together. Not sure the exact number. But nonetheless, Kevin Durant just got healthy. James Harden got injured. But nonetheless, this should still be an exciting matchup, Lakers-Nets. Nets have a 60.6% chance of winning by the BPI. That's, of course, because Lakers stars are out. We look at the spread, and it's funny. I pulled up the spread right here, and the spread is not listed on ESPN. So let me go try to look up this line real quick. I was going to basically just take the Nets against, you know, I I thought the Nets would cover, but but that wasn't listed there. I'm not sure what it is. I think it's going to be heavy. Or go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, I don't think you'll find it. They'll probably release it the day of, um, pending any injury reports or anything like that. So... Right. I usually, I usually see it this early, but I guess, you know what, I'll, I'll say regard. Okay, I'll, I'll make my own. I'll say that I think the Nets are going to win by 14. It's going to be 114 to 100. That's going to be the score right there. I did no analysis for that. There's no models. No, I didn't put anything into Excel. That was just all out of my brain based on nothing whatsoever. That's going to be the final score. If you're listening, you're welcome. That's gonna be the score of the game tomorrow. He said you're welcome. That's that's one you're hell of a lock right there. Yeah, he said you're welcome. He 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 put it on the money without even yes, knowing sir. what the spread is. But yes, hey, sir. Fourteen <laughs> points is a huge spread. So uh, <laughs> let's let's see where that goes. Uh, I mean, I, listen, if it was like ten points, yeah, I'll take you on it. But. Who knows? The the Nets did uh you know come away with a pretty big victory once uh, uh Kevin Durant came back. Um 
And if the Nets win, this will be their tenth straight game. So uh, it'll be be it'll be an interesting one. Uh, I'm gonna shift gears a little bit uh, and throw it to the biggest PGA uh, ma- uh, PGA tournament major tournament that's going on this weekend is the Masters. Um, currently, Justin Rose is leading the pack at seven under, um, which is the same score he posted yesterday. So he had a tough day today, but in the back nine was able to still keep his lead. Um, and then we saw Jordan Spieth, who is absolutely on fire right now with his performance in the last couple of um, w- last couple of weeks. I, he's sitting at tied for second at five under. Um, but I'm gonna make a bold prediction and say that Justin Thomas, who went five under just today, he started the day at plus one. And end of the day, tied for fifth at minus four. Played a fantastic round of golf. Uh, and he's known to be at the top of the, the PGA rankings um, year in and year out. I think he's going to take the Masters this weekend. Comfortably going to make the cut. The cut is probably going to be somewhere in the range of a plus, plus one or a plus two. It's been an incredibly difficult course this year at Augusta compared to last year's. But um, I think it's going to, yeah, I think this is going to be one where Justin Thomas, you know, sort of gets in the groove. We kind of saw him um, do it today with 500. And we, we had Tony now right behind him, who's still tied for fifth at six under. Um, so I, I'm going to say Justin Thomas is probably going to take the Masters this weekend after his performance tomorrow and Sunday, um, which again, he's only... Four or three strokes behind Justin Rose, so shouldn't be that difficult. Christian, did you have anything on your mind as for locks? Yeah, tonight I saw the Clippers and the Rockets tonight, and for the Rockets side, they have XM out, House out, Nwaba out, Eric Gordon's out, John Wall's out, and they're playing the Clippers, and they only have a day-to-day in Ibaka, so that should be an easy one for the Clippers. They're favored by 11 you could definitely pick the over on that as well. They, the Rockets have just been not good at whatsoever this year, and the Clippers have been doing pretty well. So that should be an easy game if you have to put some money down tonight. Hey, the spread on that one's 11.5. Would you Would you uh, take the 11.5? I'll take the 11.5. All righty, fair enough. I mean, listen, you won't get any money line value. Clippers are minus 800 in money line. <laughs> uh, so... It's a bargain. Yeah, take this friend. It's a bargain, yeah. That'll be that'll be a good one though. Um but yeah, we'll step aside real quick and right after the locks we'll jump into some more sports conversations. So just keep it locked here on the Friday crew on WRSU FM New Brunswick and online at WRC.org. No format Christian Vasquez and Jared Bladice in the studio joining us. Um Almost wrapping up here on the first hour. We were talking about football recruits um, and the future of Rutgers football in the beginning of the show. Um, I wanted to switch gears a little bit, still keep it to Rutgers topics. Um, Christian, I know you had some pretty big women's basketball news regarding recruits. I know the last couple of weeks we'd seen the men's basketball take a little um, hit, losing some of their veterans and, and high-skilled players. Um, to the transfer portal or declaring for the draft. But on the women's side, things have been, you know, a little bit more 
I would say, under the radar. So did you want to enlighten us with uh, what just happened a couple of moments ago? Yeah, today we saw you know the five-star recruit coming out of high school, the Diamond Johnson. Today she's transferring over to NC State and Zippy Broughton, another key player for the team. She's transferring over to Florida. So you know, those are big losses for the team. Definitely want to see what Rutgers women's basketball is going to do for next year. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, interesting to as they um interesting as to what they'll do and how they'll transition not only from, you know, losing your number one, you know, recruit, a five-star recruit that you had last year putting up stats as she would if um, you know, were a starter somewhere else. It's a big blow. You also use Zippy Broughton who's been a key part of the offense um in addition to Arella Garantes and you know, most likely, Arella will also, I believe she's been going to the draft. Correct me if I'm yes, wrong, Yes, she is going Christian. to the draft. Yeah, so she's obviously going to hopefully get picked up by somebody really high in the draft. So um, it'll be interesting to see how Rutgers now transitions from, you know, being what would have been a powerhouse you know, for the next couple of years to now maybe, you know, changing pace and figuring out how exactly they want to play i mean they still have pieces so um what do you guys think uh doug uh jared what do you guys think about you know the loss of diamond johnson and zippy broughton it's it's big because diamond johnson this year she was great her and arella garantis kind of at the forefront of that program and everyone else you know the whole the whole team the whole squad they had a great end to that regular season, you know, nine straight wins, of course, then lost first round Big Ten, lost NCAA tournament. But with Garantes at the helm these last few seasons, we were kind of, I mean, I was surprised she didn't go to the WNBA, but she came, like, for this past season. But having her back was big, and we knew she was going to the WNBA now, so probably be first, maybe second round pick, and she'll have a great career there. But we kind of, we were expecting Diamond Johnson to stay. And I remember, obviously, her whole season was good. I remember I was calling one game with Dylan McCoy, and she went six of seven from three, and we were at the rack. And I just remember Dylan was going crazy on his call just because of how she just kept hitting threes and threes and threes. She ended up missing one at the end, but she started six of six. And it was that level of performance from Diamond Johnson that we saw the whole season. So Rutgers fans and fans of the Rutgers women's team, you know, it was great to see the women's team and the men's team in basketball have success this year, but... To now see Diamond Johnson transfer away, as you guys, you know, have brought up for the segment, it's just, it's a little different for Rutgers fans because now we're not sure what to expect for the season. You know, last season represented a disappointment in the postseason because we saw the team play well. Like I mentioned, those nine straight wins to end the regular season, and that came after you know the thirty-five day COVID break with all those games getting canceled. So to see the team kind of end off well, but then have, you know, the poor postseason performance team, you know, us fans and the media, we were expecting big things for next season. And now there's a lot of question marks because we don't know who's going to take over that big scoring role. Like we can predict, we can guess what's going to happen. But once it comes out on the court, we're going to really see, because we're not sure right now what Steve Vivian Stringer is going to draw up. I don't know how it's going to get distributed. I don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, I wish Diamond Johnson well in the rest of her basketball career in college, you know, she'll probably go be going off to the WNBA once her college career is done as well, like Arantes. But for now, this lives, leaves big questions for the Scarlet Knight program. 
Yeah, I'm with Doug on this one. This definitely leaves questions, holes that they're going to have to figure out who to, I mean, place in these holes because I think the team's going to regress. I mean, they don't have the pieces that they used to. But I just got to, I just have to shout out Diamond Johnson. I mean, she's going to NC State, one of the premier women's basketball teams in the nation. Their head coach, Wes Moore, I believe is his name. Yeah, Coach Westmore. He won the Women's Basketball Division I National Coach of the Year. So she's in great hands to further her basketball career. Like I said, in one of the premier programs in the nation. Their one-seed NC State did get upset by the four-seed Hoosiers in the tournament this year. But listen, Dima Johnson's going there. I think she'll have a role there. And she'll be very well coached. So maybe she can improve her game and make a push. And maybe she'll have professional basketball in her future. Yeah, and, you know, I think that's the right way to put it because I don't think it's going to be an easy task for Coach Stringer by any means. Um, you know, over the last couple of years, we had seen her use Arella Garantes as, like, a key, you know, part of the offense or just a team overall. And now you had a, an opportunity to essentially replace Arella, um, you know, not replace her fully, but, you know, at least accommodate the loss of Arella's, I would say, um, impact on the team with, you know, uh, a different style of play in Diamond Johnson, but now you lose that. So obviously, you know, not by any means is Rutgers going to probably deteriorate as a team. They still had what I would say six more other freshman recruits this year. So they, you know, it's, it's not going to be the end of the world, but I think it's going to be a step back. Christian, what are your thoughts on, on, you know, I guess, what many would call as uh, sort of a shock. I know uh, us as fans, we were kind of surprised when Diamond Johnson originally declared for um, declared to enter the transfer portal. So what's your takeaway from all this? Yeah, it's definitely going to be a, r- a rough year for Rutgers. It's going to be a rebuilding year. They're going to have to work on some of their key players that are still with them. I know um, Mao Jowes, I believe she was in the transfer portal as well, hasn't heard a commitment from her either so we're just waiting to see what stringer is gonna do we might maybe we'll get some interviews with her just seeing what she is gonna do i don't know how the recruiting classes are coming up for the next couple year or two so i think it's definitely gonna be a regression like jared said and it's gonna be a big rebuilding year and stringer may have to you know try to figure out some new coaching styles you know she's very defensive minded and with the players that she has now, she may have to, you know, try to get a little more offense in there to get some new things going with new players. Yeah, I think it's going to be um, hopefully, you know, still an exciting time for us to be, you know, Rutgers women's basketball fans. I doubt that it won't be, um, but it, it's going to be, I would say, a little more bumpier than what we may have imagined at the beginning of last year and maybe even the end of last year when they played on such a great note um, and ended the season on that huge win streak so um, but I think things like this always happen in basketball Uh, we've seen both the men's team and women's team kind of now transition together into being teams that need to kind of you know find the right step for the future uh, but at the same time, we've seen them do this before. We've seen them go from being just, you know, struggling Big Ten teams to now being 
in the NCAA tournament, being, you know, competitors in the Big Ten and might be, you know, at one point, both teams kind of did challenge being at the, the, I would say, even the top, you know, three or five in the Big Ten. So, and we we know the Big Ten is a competitive basketball division, both on the men's and women's side. So it'll be an interesting, I would say, next couple of months and maybe even an interesting year for both the men's and women's team to to kind of finally figure out what they're going to do for their future um did anybody have any other last thoughts on you know just the future of uh women's Rutgers women's basketball before we uh head to our break to wrap up the first hour yeah you know my last thoughts would just be that it's I, I mean, the women's basketball program has had more recent success than the men's program. But now that the men's program has kind of put itself on the map a little bit, getting that one NCAA tournament win this season, I guess my final thoughts would be I kind of want to see the men's and women's basketball program have success at the same time next season. And I know it's happened a little bit before, but just to see it happen again, you know, would be nice. And I'm just looking forward to that. Yeah, I guess that's uh, Doug Doug being very optimistic. But I appreciate that, you know. I, that's probably the right lens to look at all these things as. Um, can't be too pessimistic going into it or else, you know, you won't accept the good small little things that happen. Uh, but that's going to do it for us for the first hour. Uh, when we come back, you, you'll be joining us for the second hour of the Friday Crew. So please keep it locked here on WRCU-FM in New Brunswick and online at WRCU.org.